For 10 weeks, we've been asking teams not named the Bills and Eagles to step their games up. But after both those losses this weekend, we can wonder about the security of the number one seeds once more. Buffalo is in a muddled pool behind Kansas City and Miami in the AFC, while Philadelphia is in a no-win situation when its biggest challengers, Minnesota and Dallas, meet this weekend. Welcome back to The Slant, everyone. I'm your host, Mark Hogan, and I'm thrilled to have Shane Brennan on the show, NFL writer for Independent.ie. Shane, you're one of the few people in Ireland that can claim to be a professional NFL writer. Do you know how jealous that makes people feel? <laughs> well, I don't really know about that. My main job is as an editor, but I mean, it, it, it's it's nice to know that my boss, too, my main bosses are, are NFL fans, so they get they kind of let me carry on in this passion project for the last couple of years. But yeah, no, it's it's great, and um, I'm I'm not really one for sleeping at nights anyway, so it's a good excuse if I have something <laughs> to do on Sunday, Monday nights. So, uh, so yeah, it's thanks your, for having me on. Yeah, it's your first time on the show. I suppose you can uh, give us a bit of your background. Essentially, the team that you support, because I think that's going to play an imp- or have an impact on what we're talking about today. Yeah, um, I'll give you a quick background. I've been I've been working in the Indo uh, since 2020, and I've been writing uh, about the NFL for for uh, for the last three seasons. Um, I was born in New York. My dad's a Jets fan, but I lived in America for a little while and I lived in Massachusetts uh, when that kind of influenced the fact that I'm a Boston sports fan, whether it's the Red Sox or the Patriots. And I guess probably there's a small bit that when I was starting to watch American football in my teenage years, of course, the best team or the the team that was on the television most often were the New England Patriots and Tom Brady. And that's kind of where, uh, where my heart went. And I'm still a Patriots fan in 20 years time when, the bandwagoners move on to somewhere else. I'll still be a Patriots fan. Um, so yeah, so that's, uh, I guess that's me. Um, it is funny though, when I, whenever I talk about it, because obviously my, my dad and a lot of people that my dad would have known working in New York City, we have all moved back to Ireland. We'd be talking about things in the bar. And they're, you know, the the names they call me now for being a Boston turncoat um, is, is uh, quite interesting. But so yeah, so it's, and it's a good time to be a fan of the NFC East. It's nice to know that uh, for once, I guess the Patriots aren't the ones running away with it. It's it's a much more interesting fight. Yeah, I don't know if the bandwagon, it was looking a bit shaky there, the whole Mac Jones and Zappi and all this going on for a while. Yeah. I think I, I think the bandwagon is safe for another little while at least because uh, they're kind of doing pretty well. But I suppose, why don't we start there? Because the AFC East is an absolute headache for the Buffalo Bills. They we're never supposed to completely run away with it, but it was supposed to be easy this far into the season. I know there's a tiebreaker involved in this, but they should not be third in the division. It's not done anything to their Super Bowl odds, but it could make for a very muddled finish for them. How do you feel about the Buffalo Bills? They have kind of let a few games slip now. They did have that really impressive win over the Chiefs a few weeks back that could be important if it goes to a tie break for a number one seed and all that but they are on a two game losing streak they have given a lot of momentum to the Jets in the NFC they've given a lot of momentum to Minnesota do you still have faith that they could get the number one seed how do you think they are for the Super Bowl still um uh, that's, that's I guess there's two there's two parts of that question do I think they'll get the number one seed yes uh I think if you look at their their run in I think they will there are plenty of wins to get in that they will probably build up enough momentum near the end of the season that they'll top it. Uh, whether or not I believe they are the Super Bowl favourites as they were at the start of the season, probably not. I mean, the last three games, they haven't been able to score a touchdown in the last quarter. They've only scored 12 points. I think they've conceded uh, 41 or 43, somewhere in that in that ballpark. ballpark. And, um, and I don't know what it is. 
it, we, we kind of seen something similar happen in the playoffs last season where you can have a team that's heavily laden on talent, but if they haven't got the kind of the, the guts or the resolve to see out games at, uh, at times where things can get really shaky, it, you know, you, you can't really look at them as being Super Bowl favourites. I'm sure they'll still uh, come out against the Browns this week and the Lions the week after that uh, and get some pretty solid wins on the board. As a Patriots fan, I know we got, uh, you know, Patriots got to play them twice. And I don't think, I think the Bills are probably favourite selves with those two games as well. But I think there's big question marks now over whether, I guess, they have the steel to do it um, in the wintry nights in Buffalo in the postseason. I still think they'll have enough to, to top the AFC. I mean, they're, it's, it's pretty much going to be between themselves and Kansas City because I, I think, Buffalo will, in the end, top the AFC East. Um, but as for whether or not they are Super Bowl favourites, I'll probably be looking for the NFC for that. Yeah, we look at Josh Allen as the reason they are favourites. But like when it comes to Buffalo this year, they're second in the giveaways that they've had and second in interceptions. Josh Allen, look, it's never happened before that he's given the ball away three times in the fourth quarter. But like yeah. when you add it into the injuries, you don't need Josh Allen giving the ball away. I suppose like when he's coming out of the draft, this is the quarterback that you thought he'd be that he wouldn't be able to protect the ball. It's just that he's so good as a throw that, that he can't protect it. But like I mentioned those injuries there. And it's like they just can't seem to get healthy at all this year. Matt Milano is missing time. Tredavious White has been missing time. Josh Allen now seems to be day to day the whole the whole time. It seems this week's with this weekend's game against Cleveland has the snow going against them, which is a whole other thing because they've just signed off in this massive stadium with a ton of taxpayers' money, like almost a billion taxpayers' money, and they're not putting a dome on. Yet this week they're talking about having to potentially move the game to Detroit, potentially having to move the game to somewhere in Philadelphia, Toronto. I see is see is even mentioned as a ninety minute driveway. That you know when you're talking about the playoff football, that's a whole other story. But I think they're just under so much pressure now because Miami this week gone by, I had Miami, I just really wanted to see them against what I think is really good defense in Cleveland just because of that Monday night game that they had against Cincinnati. I thought that Cleveland had a coming out game. In DVOA from Football Outsiders, Cleveland Browns aren't even close when it comes to defense. And that's a, a knock on them. But from what I've seen on paper, I think when Miami went to beat them this weekend, it gave me a lot of confidence. Do you think there is too much of an over-reliance on Jalen Wall or Tyreek Hill, or are you like me and just love watching this after uh, not rating Tua Tungo Law for how many seasons he's been in the NFL now? Um, well, I guess a couple of the wins that, that the Dolphins have had so far have kind of been a bit of a surprise. I mean, the ones against the, the winning against the Ravens probably uh, coming out... Uh, so sticking out my head to 28 points in the last quarter. And um, I guess my my confidence in, in the Dolphins is to be to always be a high-scoring team. But every game they win, or pretty much every game they win, it's by one score. And at the end of the day, you know, if you haven't got the, the defensive solidity to really shore up um, a proper run at it, especially now we're coming, coming into the winter, when it's probably cliche that a team from, from Florida might might struggle offensively when it comes to, to these snowy games in the winter up north. But it's a serious question that, you know, during these tougher conditions, a team that can usually win by one score is going to turn into a team that will lose by one score. Uh, Waddle and Hill are wonderful talents and they'll keep scoring. And as long as they keep fit, um, 
even if the Dolphins are two or 14 points down with seven or eight minutes to go, you can never really write them off. And that's always a good thing to have psychologically as well. But I really think, especially when you um, look at the fact that they got to have to travel to San Francisco, travel to the Chargers and travel to the Bills and three, like that's a, a three week uh, period where they're not playing at home and they're traveling. Like, I don't really think that they're going to come away with that with three wins. They'd be look, like, they'd be hard pressed to beat all three of them. And at the end of the day, when you're looking at how they're going to finish up in the rest of the season, I don't know whether there is the defensive uh, stamina for them to really be strong enough for the end of the season. So that's why, I guess, when I'm looking at the end of the AFC East, I'd probably put the Bills ahead of the Dolphins in terms of who I reckon would would top the AFC East because I don't think the Dolphins um, will have enough stamina to still be a one-score winning team. They're going to have to gonna start losing these one-score games at some point. Yeah, there was a quote in there about the one score wins become one score losses that I absolutely love from you because I think it is true. I do like how the run game seems to be improving as they got in the stretch. Getting Jeff Wilson was massive. I mean, I brought him in on fantasy football for Ad for the Boy because I think that he is clearly going to be the number one. They do have Raheem Mostert there. They have a really good backfield now that will definitely be complimenting and has been complimented, but I think to a greater extent will be able to complement the receivers that they have. Obviously, they do have Jacecki in there as well, who's been doing well. So I kind of am bullish, but you are dead right in what you're saying about the defense. Last year, it was one of the best in the league. Of course, they got rid of Brian Flores under very unusual circumstances if they still had him as their head coach. I know, obviously, the importance of having McDaniels there now for the offense, but when it comes to the defense, Flores was obviously doing a fantastic job coaching it up even because the team is stronger now, you could argue, than it was last year with the bodies that it has on defense. But if you were to add in Miami's offense with the Jets' defense, well, then you'd have the perfect team and you'd have the perfect recipe within the AFC East. But if we look at the Jets' I'm not completely sold. I mean, look, I've loved their last couple of performances, but like Zach Wilson is just such a headache because when it comes to the defense, Sauce Gardner has changed everything. It's like when they had Darrell Rivas, and it's like you have such a box check there that it makes everyone else's jobs a little bit easier. So I think the the impact, and we all know the impact of Sauce Gardner is so big, but I'm just struggling to see how the Jets can keep this going with Zach Wilson because I know the storyline at the moment is so fantastic like they've gone and beat the Bills and as a result right now they have the tiebreaker over them but I just don't see you know the the importance of a good defense can't be underrated but I'd almost go with the team with the hot offense over the good defense yeah um, I I think the the big thing when when you talk about the Jets is you know how tidy can they be in in offense because like what, what, what? It was a really missed opportunity for, for them when they, when they played against against the Patriots in in New York. That the Patriots were coming in as a very disorganized organ, um, organization after a very chaotic loss to Chicago, and then you come out and the um, Zach Wilson throws uh, three interceptions, and that kind of um, that kind of uh, I guess inconsistency in offense is probably a bit of a confidence a confidence knock defensively they're very strong that's been the core of, of quite a lot of their success this season and I still obviously back them to get, to get as far as the playoffs but I just think that you know when there comes a time when you're facing against an offense that or sorry when you're facing against a team and a defense that isn't that might necessarily be particularly strong 
what you need is that uh, level of ruthlessness to really go after them. I'm gonna going back to the Jets Patriots game again. The Patriots came into that where the defense was, you know, was really disjointed. What you what you really need there, particularly when you're playing in your home field, which the Jets, you know, aren't the best in the league at, is you want that sense of ruthlessness and the sense of, I guess, confidence when your quarterback that he isn't going to make any big mistakes. That if he's going to go for a big play, he's going to he's going to get his man, or he's going to make sure it doesn't get into defensive hands. And you just don't have that trust when you're watching the the Jets offense that they can do it, they can, you know, get in the scores and they have to. But you know, one week you're watching the Jets and you know, all things are firing and the defense is getting over and like they did against against the Bills, it was a proper, solid, all-round performance. And another week, the offense is really letting the side down because, you know, you're, the ball is, is getting given away a little bit too easily. And the difference there is, I don't know where this is, a psychological thing inside the, the group where they just need a little bit more ruthlessness to, I guess, to really strike down on teams, particularly in the first half of games, that when somebody is there for the taking, you got to go take them. Um and I think that's, you know, for, when we're looking at at the Jets now, they got to play uh, the Vikings uh, and the Seahawks away before the end of the season. And I don't think in those games that they really have the um, the ruthlessness to really take them down. Uh, yeah, I <laughs> I think you're dead right about the Jets-Patriots game. It's the one that really I deflated the Jets' momentum for me because I said that was the game in the AFC East that they had to win. And, you know, that was the coming out game. Like, the Jets fans were so excited to welcome New England into MetLife. And, you know, if you listen to the Around the NFL podcast, Dan Hans is a great Jets fan to kind of go by to sum up that passion. And they were deflated afterwards. But I really thought that that's where, look, against the Bills, I'm not going to say nine times out of ten the Bills win that game. That would be the service to what the Jets did. But it definitely is that if the consistency that you're talking about, that needs to be, and the ruthlessness needs to be uh, delivered against teams that they're absolutely kind of expected to win against. Yeah, they're going to have to put it up against the Bills when it comes to the playoffs, but they need to also be able to sort out the games that they're supposed to be looking after. Um, the way you're describing the Jets there kind of reminds me of the Jaguars when they went to the AFC Championship game a few years ago that the offense with Blake Bortles, you know, we all slagged it off at the time, but they really relied heavily on the defense. And that's how they got to the AFC Championship game. So as you're talking there, I'm like, oh, wait, maybe you could talk me into the, the Jets actually being able to survive with uh, Zach Wilson. But they have been able to survive this far. I, I'm going to jump over your Patriots because do you give them a, a serious shot at making the playoffs or how do you feel on them? Um, to be honest, no. I mean, I, I, obviously, at, at the moment, they're kind of sitting seven in the playoff picture. But later on to the season, you can imagine that the Chargers and particularly the Bengals are, are, are going to take uh, that shot. Um, you know, what a successful season looks like for New England from here on in is just, I guess, keeping keeping the faith of the fans and not um, kind of not doing anything stupid. And if you lose the game, lose it because you're beaten. Don't lose it because you gave it away or like was the case in the game against the Bears on Monday Night Football a few weeks ago where the, the entire team was just in a state of chaos and no one knew what the hell was going on. And I think one thing that, that the Jets can learn from this weekend is when they're going to New England um, is that the Jets were, or the Patriots are almost very comfortable in MetLife and they that was their game to count themselves down for the rest of the season after the Bears loss because MetLife, isn't necessarily an intimidating place for them to be in comparison to, to other stadiums. Whereas, you know, if if the Patriots do something where they look very disjointed, Boston sports fans can get on your back pretty quickly. 
Um, and I'm sure the Jets will know that coming into this year. And I'm sure other teams that, that the Patriots will, uh, will play against coming into this year will know that. So I reckon the Patriots are good for a few more wins. I don't think they'll make the playoffs. They'll still be last in the division. Um, and you can imagine the Chargers and, and the Bengals will have a better record at the end of the season. So, um, look, fingers crossed, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I don't I don't think there's enough there to really uh, break through or to, I guess... There isn't. There probably isn't enough raw talent, particularly defensively, um, to be better than the Jets, the Bills, or the Dolphins and become third in the division. I suppose the, the one thing that New England has gone for it is that defense. I think I saw that it was number one in DVOA with football outsiders this week. Weighted DVOA, which kind of shows that it definitely is good. I guess the quarterback problem and headache, whatever you want to call it, disaster, is what's going against them because you, you know, and, and they don't have the receivers. Ramondre Stevenson seems to be doing absolutely everything. If there's an MVP for that team, it would have to be him. But it yep. is, I want to Thomas tie in the AFC East to the NFC East. <laughs> I. I, look, this has been off or been talked about a lot now, which is the most competitive division in football. I touched on my power rankings this week because I think it's the AFC East because you can send three teams to the playoffs and each of those three teams can be feared for different reasons like we've just discussed. Whereas the NFC East could send three, but I definitely think Philadelphia, definitely think Dallas. I think the Giants record is certainly going to help them out, but are teams going to genuinely fear the Giants come the playoffs? I'm not completely convinced, and I know that's going to annoy some people. Um, I think that there's an over-reliance on Saquon Barkley, and if he were to get injured, I think that's a massive problem. And why say if he gets injured? Because he is going, like the team is going through him at the moment. Another team that was going, or another player that a team was going through was Cooper Cup, who we just saw got off the field. And it's like, that is wear and tear. Like, people say, oh, we're lucky with injuries. Okay, if you're the Bills or you're the Chargers, it can be because it's not true just play. But if you're just running the ball and these guys are getting tackled the whole time, Saquon Barkley does have an injury history behind him. I'm not predicting any kind of injury, but I just think that they're so reliant on him. Like, when you actually look at the the passing stats and all this, like they're 23rd in total offense, the Giants are 29th in passing the ball. They're 22nd in points. Like they have a fantastic record, but like someone wasn't happy with me putting them 13th in the power rankings the other day because they're one game out of the number one seed, but the Tennessee Titans and one game out of the number one seed in the AFC West. So while the NFC East could send a whole number of teams to the playoffs, I don't completely believe in them. Are you, do you think that's fair? Or am I being too harsh on the, um, the Giants? I, I've 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 always, I've had conflicting opinions about the Giants throughout, throughout the season. I think a lot of people online are uh, are happy to poke fun and say they are the worst seven and two team in history, which to be honest, probably isn't a million miles off. I mean, like at the end of the day, when you're sitting down watching the game and you're preparing, do you have the confidence in the Giants to say yes, we're, they're they're going to go and beat an opponent? And very rarely, no. I mean, they've managed to. They managed to get over the Ravens. They managed to get over the Packers. When they get over the Packers, the Packers are kind of starting their slump. The Ravens, we know, aren't very good at closing out games. Um, you know, uh, they got over the Titans in, in the first week, and that's, I guess, probably just over tenacity and kept going and a little bit of fortune in the last quarter rather than genuinely being the better team. So, yeah, I, I probably agree with you that they're probably not as high in the power rankings as, as teams with, with worse records. Um They'll probably still have enough of them to get as far as as the playoffs. But once the once they get into the playoffs, 
there are very few teams who are sitting in are sitting now trying to put the playoff picture and are hoping that they don't get the that the Giants. You know, if when, when you're in the playoffs, you're you know we we want to say we want to we want to see New York come to come to our house and we're going to show them who they really are. And I think to the to its core, that's kind of New York's problem. They have a, a relatively easy, although I said relatively easy, a game against the Lions this weekend, and um, I know the Lions are are, are kind of informed at the moment, but. You, you you might they might get shown up then that if the Lions who aren't necessarily very and heavily talented team can can continue to form and and beat the Giants, you might get a proper look that the Giants aren't probably valued for the record that they have. Um they're not a bad team, don't get me wrong. Um I'm sure there's there, there's still another couple of surprises in them, particularly when they come against them. Um, the Cowboys, Commanders, and Eagles later on in the season. I'm sure they'll put up good performances then against their rivals. But you know, do I think they're Super Bowl contenders? I wouldn't put my money on them. Yeah, I asked the question, and you're dead right. I think they are the wildcard team that teams or that other teams would want to see. Right now, they're standing at the fifth seed, so they play the likes of Tampa Bay. Obviously, going to Tampa Bay, we saw them in Germany the other day, and you know, I think they'll start to turn around. Hopefully, for some entertainment value, at least Tampa Bay will be able to start to turn around. But I kind of asked the question because I raised this on Tuesday's podcast with Michael when we were reviewing the one night football game. And I went back and I actually got the stats of this because the NFC playoff race is so tied up, it seems right now, that CBS put out a stat yesterday. And it was that the top seven seeds, so your four division winners and then the teams that are sitting in the wall card spots, the lowest of them to make the playoffs at this point is San Francisco with an 80% chance of getting to the playoffs. So we're sitting here, what, November 16th, November 17th, we record this on, and we're saying that with eight weeks of the NFL, seven weeks of the NFL for some teams left to go, we have that certain of a playoff race. And I just, we're not used to that NFL. Maybe it's the whole parody situation. But what that means is that Washington has a one in six, a 17% chance of making the playoffs and they're the next best likely to get in and that's where maybe i'm i'm too i enjoy playing the odds here too much but i think one of these teams would have to slip so i think the 49ers win the nfc west so that would leave you with dallas the giants and seattle as the wall cards like maybe dallas and i topped the show by saying that the egos are going to be under pressure now because dallas is either going to be a half game i think or a game behind them if they can beat Minnesota or if Minnesota beats Dallas this weekend, then depending on when that game is actually played, they could temporarily take the number one seed off them momentarily. So now Philadelphia is suddenly under pressure. And it's crazy that a team that was winless up until a few days ago can feel under pressure, but that's that's just how the NFL this, is this year. So I have my money on if someone is going to step up, it'll be the Giants. And I just pulled up their schedule in front of me. I'm not going to run through the whole thing, but... Michael McQuaid said on our show the other day that he has them potentially losing their next six games that they're bound to be found out because like you're saying about about um, Miami earlier on about being a one score winning team and that going the other way it's that if the Giants have just been getting over the line this whole time that they can start to not regress but you know the best of the ball has to go against you at some point right so I just I, I do think that Dable is absolutely scheming up and has made a very opportunistic defense but I, I just don't like how the operator is so reliant on Barkley, and maybe that's just a me thing, but like, look, like the likes of Carolina over the years, whether they were over-reliant on 
Christian McCaffrey you're over reliant on just having the quarterback Cam Newton for so long I know there is examples there but Brian Dable has coached them up fantastically but I just I don't think that it's I don't think it's sustainable I think it's as easy as that and they obviously do have um, tough games coming up they are playing in the NFC East which before the year you didn't know where you're going to get wins against the Cowboys they played the Commanders twice they do have the Eagles they do have the Vikings they're really difficult games to have the the Washington Commanders twice and the Eagles twice and have the Cowboys so I think that they could be the ones to slip up and that's kind of i i don't know am i am i hosting you today just so i can go on record in week before week 11 to say that i don't think the joints are going to make it but uh would that um, be a fair assessment do you think there's another team that could sl- slip up out of what i said i'm looking at the top seven now and i don't think dallas are the type of team to slip up at the moment um you know sure enough they'll, they'll probably get a couple of losses i don't think they'll win in minnesota this week but they're not a team I think that has the core frailties um, of a side that will go from being 6-3 and then not finishing the playoffs. The Giants, even though they're 7-2, are a team with those core frailties. And I really think the key fixtures in that as to whether or not the Giants make the playoffs will be the two games against the Commanders. You know, can Washington sort of... That's, it is Washington's big, I guess, chance to get into the playoffs is to, is to beat New York and beat them twice. Um and I don't think that's uh, that's a wild thing. I think it is quite possible, particularly if, if they if they get their running game in gear and if they're uh, as I guess defensively impressive as they were against the Philadelphia Eagles the other night. Um, that's going to be key. So the Giants, obviously, they need to win against Detroit because if they lose against Detroit uh, this week, they start to lose momentum. The two games against the Washington Commanders, you know, if the Giants are going to show resolve and say we deserve to win the playoffs, they have to win at least one of them. If not, then I really think the Giants are uh, are at risk of falling. And like, there's nobody else really that I think is at risk of uh, a collapse. Like you say, I think San Francisco and Seattle will have a proper battle at the top of the NFC West. I don't see either of those really, really losing form. Um, and... You know, I think Dallas are just too good. Whether or not Green Bay can start putting pressure on as well from four and six, uh, they'd be kind of the wild card <laughs> in the race of the wild card. I don't know. Um, considering they have to play at the Eagles and they still got to face the Vikings as well, uh, probably not. So the NFC race is pretty much, or the NFC wildcard race is almost pretty much condensed to those two games between Washington and New York. And it's really weird to be saying that really early in the season. I'm sure Giants fans are probably frustrated that I guess there isn't a level of confidence among fans that the Giants can see those games and maybe they can. I reckon the one, particularly the one in MetLife, um, they probably should be able to see it. But I don't know. I think I think Washington, Washington, especially coming off the game against Philadelphia, will have the confidence and momentum to properly go at them in the next couple of weeks. And they'll be, for me, in the NFC, they're the ones to watch. Yeah, it's kind of funny because I'll have to find the other excuse now after the Washington game for reasons that I don't like the Giants and how I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. So we'll wait until that happens for that to happen. Um, I want to get you out here. I'll briefly kind of go back on a point that you said about the likes of the Commanders. I think there's like four frisky teams in the NFC that teams will pencil in that if they're facing or sorry fans will pencil in a win if they see their team playing this team these teams. But I don't think they're automatic. 
One is Atlanta. I don't know what it is about Atlanta. I think Cordero Patterson being back and it helps out what they're doing with the two receivers there. I think Atlanta's one of them, but I looked at the schedule and Atlanta doesn't have enough um, common opponents with these playoff teams for me to really worry about. But I have the, what, the commanders being one and then two teams that you've mentioned there are Detroit. I don't like playing Detroit at the moment. Just you don't know what's going to happen since what since the Green Bay game, they finally delivered on all Diane Campbell's passion. And they they backed it up against the Bears, albeit by a point this weekend. But they did get that high scoring offense back in this weekend. So I wouldn't like to play those two teams. And so Chicago and Detroit, the common opponents that they'll have through the rest of the year is the Packers, Vikings, and Bills. That I think, you know, you, you'll I, I think there'll be a couple of upsets in there. And maybe, you know, that, that's going to help that NFC race as well. Yeah. But I just want to kind of touch on real fast your thoughts on kind of Chicago and whether they can keep this up and continue to be a frisky team, especially with what Justin Fields is doing. Um, yeah, good point. I mean, by far, the one of the most eye-catching performers the last two weeks has been Justin Fields. I mean, you watch his performance against Detroit. He is wonderful at dancing with the ball. If you actually directly compare him to um, the Jared Goff. I mean, Goff's way is, is coming back. He stands in the pocket and picks his man. Um, you know, whereas Justin Fields is, is fantastic. So dancing around and always finding spot. And what's dangerous with the Bears is um, the plays where they are almost most dangerous and the plays where they can really do damage is when things don't go to plan. The All of them... Um, all of the, the the big the, the big runs and the two touchdowns of the last two weeks that that Justin uh, Justin got um, were situations where obviously he was obviously had a, a play plan in mind. He didn't see any receivers are coming for him. He's seen his space and he just gone for it. And when you're a defensive coordinator trying to sit down, how are we going to approach the Bears? That's a very dangerous um, variable to, to kind of come across. And it's why when I'm looking at the Bears, they're a team that. I think we can beat, but I don't really want to watch it. Um, you, you, you know what I mean? It's it's as again the last the last two weeks again. You know they've had the biggest, well, the best performing quarterbacks in the league, particularly when it comes to running. But they've lost the last two games, and I think the the big sort of difference um, that will, I guess, decide whether or not the Bears can be really dangerous or whether they're going to be a team that's going to light up and be entertaining but still lose, will be the making sure the offense is coordinated enough that when Fields needs to throw the ball, it goes somewhere and it goes somewhere fast. I mean, if you actually look at the plays, every time that the Fields ha- had the ball, he's on his feet, he's dancing, he's jumping, he's either wheeling around to the left or he's waiting for attackers to come or for defenders to come try to sack him, for him to dodge and for him to run. Which is fair enough. I mean, Fields obviously knows that he is the best offensive asset that team has and that his running ability is the best offensive asset that team has. But if you're not going to balance it out with being able to pass it out properly, uh, particularly in key moments at the end of the game, that's going to be the difference. The big play that stands out in my mind is, I think it was fourth and eight in the fourth quarter last time out against Detroit. Fields, again, takes the ball. Three guys come to sack him. He dodges and gets away from two of them. And he comes out, and there's there is a second, there is a, a period long enough for an NFL standard quarterback to find a man and throw. But he stood there, kept looking, and somebody came and got him from the back. And that's it. That's fourth down. Ball is turned over back in Detroit hands. 
Um, and it really is the little things like that. Being able to run in touchdowns from 50 yards out is fantastic. And it's really annoying when you're when you're defending that you have that unpredictability. But, you know, it's it seems that when all the play and all the true talent is coming through to one man, if you just keep knocking the door and keep trying to sack him and keep trying to make sure that there's enough coverage on, on the wide receivers, then, you know, maybe Chicago might always be destined to be a team that will, you know, score 32 and concede 35, you know? Yeah. It's, um, so, I, Fields is, is a wonderful talent, a wonderful runner of the ball, uh, fantastic to watch, but Chicago or any of offense that Justin Fields might play in the future have to get him an extra second on some of those plays from his O-line so that he can do that. So if he needs to, he can do that regular playing Jared Goff style thing of just standing in the pocket, staying still, and then pass the ball. Because Justin Fields, even his best pass, he's never standing still. He's always running. He's always on his feet. He's always dancing, which is fantastic. But maybe there's a reason why he is doing it because, I don't know, he doesn't seem to... Is there uh, a number one receiver in Chicago that you can say, yeah, if I need to go fourth and twenty-eight um, in the fourth quarter, that's my guy. Because if you're fourth and twenty-eight and you're Chicago, what you're hoping for is that the guy's trying to sack a miss and feels has managed to run thirty yards. Um, so I guess that's the difference. Yeah, no, I guess with the number one receiver now, that's why they went out and got Chase Claypool. So as he grows into the offense, it might improve. Obviously, we haven't seen that yet. But when you're des- describing Justin Fields there, I am like, have I zoned out? Have I gone back a year? Am I listening to Jalen Hurts talk? Because Jalen Hurts was a bit the same that, you know, he was looking for, and even Kyler Murray to a certain extent. But we see now what happened with Jalen Hurts, that the, whether it was the game slowed down with him or was it that he developed patience. I actually think that Justin Fields has showed more patience this year that those than those guys did at this stage in their career. So I think it's actually quite hopeful for them going forward. And obviously his legs and the amount of running that they're doing at the moment, it's good to see that he's taking that on and being successful. It was a play against your guys in the Monday Night Football against the New England Patriots that I, I couldn't, I had no idea how he was able to get out of two sacks back-to-back plays. Actually, no, I think it was that he fumbled and then it was recovered and then the next play should have been a sack and somebody got out of it. And I thought, well, well, that's clear of talent, but it's that he's able to do it. Another likes of Kyler Murray absolutely do not want to be running the ball, whereas Justin Fields has that ability. And as they put more talent around him, um, that could start to build. I definitely want to get you out of here now. Thanks a million for your time. Obviously, Shane, the NFL pick six every Monday on independent.ie and you're on Twitter at Shane Brennan 21. So uh, yeah, thanks a million for coming on, Shane. Cheers. Thanks very much.